It's way too early schedule prediction time here on Locked On Utes. We're going game by game and predicting how the Utes will fare in each one of their conference and non-conference matchups. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On YouTube your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all college basketball season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is JT Wish, a former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. On today's show, we're diving and predicting each game of the Utes 2023 schedule. The schedule dropped on Wednesday, and we are talking all things schedule related today. And in order to help me go game by game and predict this schedule, it's friend of the show and former host of the this podcast in Brian Brown. Brian's schedule release is finally here and it's always exciting. I know for me, the biggest thing when I looked at the schedule was I just liked how the there was never a three game stretch where I felt like it was a really tough one for the Utes. Like, for example, if we're just looking at the other team's schedule, USC ends their season with Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. There's not a stretch as tough as that, I feel like, for the Utes, but look, the Utes do have a ton of tough games on this schedule, even if they are spaced out just a little bit. What was your biggest takeaway looking at it? Yeah. It- I agree with you on that one. Um, sorry, trying out new equipment over here, and and I couldn't hear myself, so I thought I wasn't talking. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> is anybody who's never done radio will get that right? Like where, where you're like, why is there no feedback in my headphones? Am I on air? What can you hear me? Can you talk? Um, so maybe that's part of what I'm looking at with the schedule is is like is can anybody hear me? Can anybody yeah. hear what's <laughs> going on with Utah? Um, yeah, that's part of it, right? I think this is a very <clears throat> challenging schedule in the sense that you've got some yes. out of conference games that are going to be very difficult. We don't know what Florida is going to look like. Now, Jaden Rashada not going to the Gators is actually mm-hmm. going to likely play in Utah's favor. You know, they still have Graham Mertz, the transfer mm-hmm. back from Wisconsin. And, you know, I think Graham Mertz is one of those situations where we've seen it with Michael Penix, right? Where a change in scenery and maybe a change in atmosphere and a change in, in philosophy could really unlock a lot of skills. We'll have to wait and see, you know, I'm sure they're going to go after some other QBs there too as well. But um, it, it's just, man, it's it, it's tough, you know, because I think you look at this schedule and how it plays out and those opening games where you're Florida and then at Baylor, those are big boy football games. That's middle mm-hmm. of the schedule type stuff. Now, the good news, you've got the best quarterback in, in the Pac-12 era in Cam Rising coming back. and And that's always a good thing i I think we've talked a lot about his impact on this team right and just how important he is and you know i believe we talked about in in the uh recap and hello to every uh, penn state fan who's still (laughs) hanging on here trying to tell me how wrong i am about penn state um you're right i'm not a penn state guy so a lot of a lot of misses on that one but um the drop off when he Mm -hmm. left the game you know, and, and and granted, you've got better quarterbacks and Brandon Rose and Nate Johnson coming up that will have a full year of experience in the program, yep. having having been through it before. But it doesn't that doesn't I mean, that doesn't change the fact that Cam Rising is still one of the best quarterbacks to ever compete at the University of Utah. And so yep. I think when you look at this schedule and, and we can break down each, you know, I, I like to look at it in, in a few ways. And we talked about this in, in our kind of 
pre-talk, um, our, our warm up, maybe yes. we call it. <laughs> um, it, you always want to know where the buy is, mm-hmm. right? You always want to know what your hard stretch is, which is end of November, early, uh, or end of the end of October, early November. Uh, and then you're always curious about home games. Now that's the one good news for Utah, right? They've got a bevy of home games. I think seven this year, five on the road. Uh, so that really plays in their favor. And that last home game against Colorado, I think that one could be a doozy. Right, let me ask you this. What stood out to you the most when you first looked at schedule? I think it really was like the breakups. I was encouraged by that. I really do like how overall it is like, let's say it's Florida Baylor. Then you get the Weber state game where it's like, that's more of a, a that's a win, a win for Utah, UCLA, Oregon state. Then you get the bye, but then you go into Cal. That's a win for Utah. So there's never a stretch. And you mentioned the bye is very important placement too, but there's never a stretch where there's three games in a row. Like let's say it was USC, Oregon, you flip Arizona state and Washington. So instead it was USC, Oregon, Washington. I would have been really concerned about that. I really like that. You get a break there where it is the, where you go against Arizona state instead of having to go three straight games against really tough opponents. I also think it's nice that you, your back to back road games you have on the season. The second one being an Arizona team. Now I do think this is a much different Arizona team than the last time Utah went down to Tucson, but I feel much better about the Utes, I still feel very good about the Utes' chances to go down there and get a win in that one. So I just really like how there's never a stretch of three games where I'm like, man, that is going to be really tough there. I do feel like there's going to be two back-to-back games where it's like that's going to come down to the fourth quarter. And then there's a game like Weber State where it's like, okay, the starter should be resting by the fourth. Or if you're up, you're up by a comfortable margin and you feel like, okay, the offense just has to run, kind of do its thing, run out the clock. But that's what I really like about this Utah schedule. It's interesting how it's so front loaded, right? I, I think mm-hmm. that's one of the rarities that we've seen in, in, in history with Utah in the past. And last year it did not play in their favor at all. Now, granted, going on the road for the first time in program history it, under the Kyle in the Kyle Whittingham era, I should say, um, to the S to an SEC place like the, the swamp is is a big deal, you know. And I think they were dealing with a lot of different adversity there with, you know, potential threats of, of hurricanes, which is always just yes. chaotic and, and just first time playing in an environment and and not going into anything and, and trepidation you know kyle whittingham is all about hard work preparation you know pre- preparedness all that kind of thing and so with so much unexpected it's really hard for him you know to to, to be he's great with change you know but sometimes like when you when he doesn't know what to do early on yeah. it is we're going to stick to the basic nuts and bolts and we're going to go with it and and it kind of tips you know, against them with Florida. So you have to wonder if, if now having done that, if maybe they adjust and, and, and kind of pivot a little bit from that initial plan. But I also wonder what, you know, if having Weber State as a third game is a benefit or if it's a problematic thing, because you yeah. want to kind of ramp up as you're going into conference play. Right. And mm-hmm. so you, you think, you know, you start with like, you know, a video game, beginner, intermediate advanced and then your conference schedule right well now we're advanced advanced beginner conference schedule so Mm -hmm. i'm curious if that you know distracts a team from focus at all and and last year we saw a team that was coming off a florida loss and and kind of played with our food a little bit with suu in the beginning so it's it's a really unique situation because we've not seen this kind of schedule from utah before and and baylor i have to believe is going to be a good football team next year yeah, they definitely. I think it's going to be, it's a really challenging schedule for the youth. Yeah. I think because overall it's very different than last season, right? There's no, how it was a very fortunate place for the youths when cam rising got, went down and got hurt. They felt like they were capable of surviving that stretch because you went to Washington state. You won with 
with Bryson Barnes in that one. He did a great job. But then you get those two easier games at home against Stanford, against Arizona as well. You don't really have that here where I feel like, and yes, as I mentioned, I do think Utah will beat Arizona too. And we're going to talk about Colorado in a little bit, but there is never a stretch of the season where a three-game stretch where I'm like, you know what, if Cam isn't at 100%, then the use are definitely good in this group of games right here. That's not available, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. We're going to come back in a moment and break down the schedule, go and talk about each individual game and how we think the youths will fare in each one of those in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college basketball, NBA, NHL, anything you want in the sports world, Bet Online's got it for you to bet on at betonline.net. You can even find sports podcasts there. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Brian, time to look at the schedule and predict it game by game. So, first, let's look at kind of the non conference, those three games. What a start to the season. I mean, you get Florida coming into your house, then you go to Baylor, then you get the, the nice game where the walk on, the, not the walk ons, I should say, but the red shirts play in the fourth quarter against Weber state in that one. So obviously we both think Utah's going to beat Weber state. We don't need to spend a lot of time on that one, but looking at the first two, I think this is really intriguing. I will say starting with the Florida game, I do expect Utah to get Florida in this one. I think those guys remember last season, how it played out. I think cam, especially we Kyle Whittingham said he expects him to be available by the time this game rolls around. I think Cam. I know <laughs> we'll see. Um, I think that if he is available to, and look, I will say we, I should make a note of this right now. All of these games are dependent on camp's health. I'm saying is, is, is I think cam rising is going to be healthy for them because if he's not, then look, if cam doesn't play against Florida, I think that it will be a tough one for the youths to lose. Even with Florida bringing Graham Mertz out there, guys getting involved in a new system, had the definition of ups and downs during his time at Wisconsin but I think Cam's going to play on August 31st or September 2nd. Technically, we don't know. If you guys listened yesterday to Porter Larson, he does feel very strongly that on August 31st is when that game's going to be played. I hope it is the 31st as well. So I do expect the Utes to be able to get that one against Billy Napier's team, although it's going to be a tough one. That sets up the one against Baylor. And, man, I think it's going to be an absolute fight. But I do think that Baylor program with Dave Aranda, he's got a heck of a group down there. It's going to be a fight. I trust the veteran experience of Cam Rising and Brant Keithy in this one. I think that Utah defense has a strong start to the season. I do think they go into Waco and getting a win. So I have Utah starting 3-0 and to their season and with a perfect non-conference schedule. Yeah, that's really where I think you want to be at that point in time is 3-0 mm-hmm. and in your non-conference, especially with those Florida and, and Baylor games. And, and I think you make a good point in the fact that Utah is returning a very experienced roster. You know, even... Even as much as, as fans want to point out <clears throat> the loss of Clark Phillips in the in the Rose Bowl, it wasn't necessarily not having Clark Phillips that was the biggest issue with the defense. I think it was a combination of scheme and and execution, and just it, it's really weird to see Utah unprepared for a game. But again, it's like we talked about when when they're unsure of themselves, they stick to the basic nuts and bolts, um, and then at that point in time, just a few missed assignments you know the the kind of things that we saw all season long from that defense Mm -hmm. were a big reason for it and you have to think that's going to be a big part of what they want to make up in 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 spring ball and going into fall camp so assuming that is that they execute on that and and i think a big part of it is nate ritchie returning you know that's going to help a ton uh the return of uh Zamaya Vaughn and, and Fabian Marks and JT Broughton, who, you know, JT Broughton did not have nearly the year I think that anybody expected, but he's coming off a, a multi-injury stretch. 
And so I think more reps are just going to be good for him and, and mm. help him a ton. And and then you're going to see a different safety, you know, with RJ Hubert leaving the program and, and attempting to test the waters. And, and I get that he's declaring for the NFL draft. I think we do need to adjust it now because there is the USFL, there is the XS, XFL in the spring. There are two spring developmental leagues. Both of them have seen success and have, yes. you know, firm backing. So assuming there's not another pandemic that wipes them both out or, uh, you know, another uh, <clears throat> AAF situation where you get in involved with an embezzler and, and the hundreds of millions of dollars they commit gets wiped out by the federal government, it, everything should be good, right? Mm-hmm. So it may not be NFL for him, but it may be developmental leagues down the road, and we'll see how that progresses. That being said, you know, Clayton Isbell, again, Nate Ritchie, uh, there are plenty of guys in the program that will be able to step in and, and, and develop as a safety and, uh, you know, you're also bringing in, uh, was it Miles Battle, I think, yes. from, from Ole Miss? Ole Miss, yep. You know, so so there's a lot of talent, plus the emergence of Sione Vaki. So if that defense can resolve a lot of those concerns, I don't see any reason why they can't go 3-0, and right? They'll compete in the trenches. We saw that defensive line take big steps for Mickey Sungutaranga. Unsung Hero did a great job. They made some modifications. I think Utah will go with a lot more of that three-man front. You know, they do lose Gabe Reed and some of that flexibility, yep. but I think – you know, you're better off with a year of Lander Barton, mm-hmm. you know, going into next season. And and I think uh, Kareni Reed will have to take a step forward because there is so much depth at that linebacker position. Then you've got Levani Damuni, who I think brings more flexibility and athleticism than than even Gabe Reed had. So yes, all these factors will play into it. Right. And I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic that they start off three and oh to just circle all around. So would you go predict three and oh, too? I mean, they're not going to lose to Weber State yes. unless something really catastrophic happens. Like Utah is just too talented and too deep yep. nowadays, where I just don't see that being the case. And and I haven't lost at home in a while either, so it makes it yeah. Florida so I, a tough one to predict the loss at. And there's a lot of swirling around. That's a really tough road game for Florida, right? Yes. Like like you're coming from the swamp to the desert. It's going to be, yeah, especially if it's a Thursday night, that's going to be a switch up. You're coming multiple time zones to the west. It, it's just a different atmosphere. You're breathing in high altitude, which you aren't going to be used to. Now they'll probably travel a few days early to try and acclimate as teams tend to do. But what it's going to come down to is, is just how well do each, each of these teams prepare. And, and Florida's got a lot to work through. You know, yep. they lost a lot of guys. So they're bored, a lot of turnover. It is still a program in development. So I don't know um, that that one's necessarily a gimme on either side. I think Utah wins that one. Um, I think the one that's, up in the air for me is Baylor. How good is sure. Baylor going to be? Uh, we saw him kind of falter. They were strong in the beginning of the season, yep. faltered toward the end, but that was a young Baylor football team. So how well did they develop? How strong is that, you know, that wide receiver core that's supposed to be really talented, but didn't show a lot last year. And uh, you know, how much does uh, uh, Grimes, Jeff Grimes get that offense cooking the way that it should be. So I, I, I I think Utah wins that one. It's always tough to predict. Road games in Texas are always tough. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge for the Utes. Speaking of challenges, let's look at the next couple of games for the Utes. They get UCLA at home, then they travel to Oregon State, have the bye week built in, and then take on Cal after that. Um, Just like we just did with the last one, look, Utah is going to beat Cal at home. I don't doubt that. I do think Utah beats UCLA at home. I think we think Porter Larson on yesterday's show made a lot of great points too about just them having to work in a new quarterback, getting DTR in and under, out, getting DTR out of there. I think it's just going to be an adjustment for UCLA. This is by far the first tough, the really tough first, really tough game this UCLA team plays. Yes, Coastal Carolina has done a lot of good things, but San Diego State, 
And I just really think this Utah, I think Utah at home is going to be fired up after what UCLA did to them last year. So I do expect the Utes to beat the Bruins at home in this one. And as much as I hate to say it at Oregon state is where I will predict my first loss for this Utah team. I think I love, I just think it's going to be really tough to get in there. I love what Jonathan Smith is doing. I think DJ Uyunglele is going to have a really good year in this offense. It's a nice complimentary piece to the strong ground game that they have. I think Oregon State's schedule, too, lines up very nicely for them. I think they are a sleeper team to win the conference, as crazy as that sounds, too. I just think that with a lot of the talent they have coming back and the addition at quarterback at DJ, and I know it's fun to drag DJ right now, but he's still a guy who helped Clemson win the ACC and did a lot of good things. He just wasn't a guy capable of taking them to back to the college football playoff. But we also saw that roster had a lot of issues, especially along the offensive line. You can see their five-star um, in the bowl game running for his life. So I think it's a really good Oregon State team. It is extremely hard to go up and play at the Beavers. They'll have that new stadium rocking, and I think the Beavers get the Utes. Dissing on DJ is is an unfair proposition. If you look mm-hmm. at Clemson, the two years that they did won a national championship was behind uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who we're seeing already in his second year is becoming one of the top tier quarterbacks in the yes. NFL, and uh, the other guy who plays for the Browns. Um, and I just look <laughs> like the, whatever you think; the, those are two generational, historical yes, exactly. level quarterbacks. And if you look at it, like the guys who have come out of the SEC and won championships, or, or, or sorry, guys like teams that have gone, come outside themselves and won championships, it was Cam yeah. Newton, Trevor Lawrence, uh, and and Watson for Clemson. And and so I think you really have to have an incredible quarterback yes. to be a national championship level level uh, team. And so I think comparing DJ to some of those guys, just you know, just because he's not. Trevor Lawrence doesn't mean that he's a, a trash quarterback. And, no. and we have this weird thing of because a guy is flawed, we think that they can't do the job. Yeah. Right? And so I think a lot of times the flaws that exist, we don't always see because the talent can override a lot of it. And, and I think you saw Trevor Lawrence do that live in front of everybody against the Chargers. So I agree with you that the, adding DJ to Oregon State is a, is a big deal. And, and Jonathan Smith, being the mentor that he is, he, we've seen what he's done. What he's done with quarterbacks, he's he's a master. You know, I, I think he did a great job with uh, decent quarterback play last year, and and everybody was very adamant about the fact that they were one one player away from being a great Pac-12 team, and it's pretty accurate. You know, I think that yeah. that that one position is really important, though. Now, that being said, they've lost a lot to the portal. That's true. They lost a lot in the secondary, and Omar Spades, I think, is a big, big loss. They've been able to have a good recruiting class, and they built that program on development, much like Utah has. So I think there is potential for them to be that one loss. I think you're right on about UCLA. That's going to be one of their first road games, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you look at Oregon State's schedule, and it's San Jose State, uh, an icon that I don't even know what it is, San Diego State. I'm looking at a chart here. And then I Washington State before they go to Utah. And, and that's a tough – or before Utah comes to Corvallis. That's a good warm-up slate, but not a lot of, like, really mm. powerful opponents there. And and so, you know, I think Utah is going to bring the bring the wood, so to speak, and we'll see if the Beavers can chop it up. But um, I don't know – I think Utah actually will run the table and go undefeated through week five. I, yeah. I think okay. they'll hit the bye week, and I think they will be undefeated. Um, we It's – that week f- five game is always a tough one on the road, especially in Corvallis is going to be wild. I think their renovation will be finished that year. Um, but this next stretch of the schedule gets real difficult. 
It does get really difficult, and it's going to be very interesting to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We've just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier. So if you're like me and you want to eat healthier but don't want a compromised taste, then, man, I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. The Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. They're perfect for your New Year's resolution. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They have great flavors and only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of program. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built at Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Smith's or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick them up at Smith's or Sam's Club today, 13 box, or just head over to Built.com and order them now. Once again, head over to Built Bar, and you guys can thank me later for hooking you up with that great offer. Also, I want to tell you guys about UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with incredibly IPY of 4.00%, plus you can jump up to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise, as if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's some good news. UCCU can help use this current rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with incredibly high IPY of 4.00%. What's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account, both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time, but here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals, but the savings certificate, you just make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate return that's much higher than a standard savings account. How much higher? Let's just say a lot higher. You can open one for as little as $500, and they have a variety of terms and options to match your specific needs. Once again, it's a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%, and they have a variety of terms and options, as we discussed. Visit a UCCU branch today or go to uccu.com to learn more. UCCU, love where you bank. All right, Brian, looking at the second half of the Ute schedule. As you mentioned, you had Utah going undefeated into the bye, and yes, and I assume taking care of business at Cal. If I if I miss, misspoke for you there, you can cut me off. But looking at the schedule after that, then you, this is where it gets really tough. This is where I talked about on yesterday's show. It's the toughest stretch of Utah's schedule to me. You go to USC, you host Oregon, you host Arizona State, and then you go to Washington. It's a really tough stretch for the Utes in this one. I think looking at the USC game, as much as I hate to say it, I do think Utah does fall to USC. I think I know they've had their number in the past. I just think going out to Southern California, I think Caleb Williams is going to be extremely motivated to put on a show. I think Lincoln Riley is going to be fired up about it too. And I do think the Trojans, with a lot of their younger players on defense with another year of experience, will not have that bad of a tackling performance. And I do think USC ends up getting Utah in this one. And Brian, I'll just turn it over to you about that specific game because it should be another fantastic matchup. But I just think it's going to be really hard. Although, hey, if there's anyone who can do it, it's Cam Rising because he has dominated the Trojans these past few years. He has, and I think that you know the the big slot on his resume that stands out is he was the first Utah quarterback to win on the road at USC in over a hundred years. Now that's yeah. that is a little misleading because they didn't play for a hundred years straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's like a seventy year break, but nevertheless, that you know the following the the loss of Aaron Lowe was the very first time the University of Utah has won on the road at USC in the Pac-12. So our curse is real uh, and they are, if you think they are right. Like yeah. it's one of those things where if you believe in it, you know, that we'll go with the, the old George Costanza here. It's not a lie. If you believe it. Um, yeah, so I think that mentally that removes a big block. I think that's a winnable game for Utah. USC is always going to be USC. They're going to have a ton of talent and Utah is going to counter with a mentality and approach. And I think that is the game that everybody always looks for on the schedule. Now a week eight, matchup later in the season you know la lights that's probably going to be a primetime game if not abc 
maybe you'll get college game day there. There's going to be a lot of factors that go into that one. I think the biggest one is health. So we'll see how healthy Utah is going into that game. We'll see how healthy USC is going into that game. I actually think that Utah gets out of that one with a win. You do. There you go. That would be, man, that would be incredible. If, if you could beat USC three straight times, yes, it goes back farther than that. I guess you four, if you include the other one, but just over the, during the Lincoln Riley era, if you go three and zero against Lincoln Riley before he leaves the conference, I mean, that would be not only fantastic for the PAC 12, but just show you how good of a state Utah's brand is in. And as I mentioned, I unfortunately predicted a loss, but I would be surprised if Utah got it out at all. Look, I just think Caleb Williams is going to be on a tear next season. He's going to be an extra motivated when Utah comes to town. Then we get Oregon on the 28th. At home, oh, Brian, I'm going to catch so much flack for this one. I actually think the Ducks and Kyle Whittingham's home winning streak. I just think this is the season with this loaded of a schedule. It finally comes to an end. It's been an incredible run. Yes, they lost at home in 2020. No, it doesn't count because fans weren't there. So I'm not officially talking about that one. I think this is real. Yes, exactly. Yeah, never happened. Yes. <laughs> Dan Lanning, Bo Nix coming to town. I think this group is going to be ready to go. Another year, Dan Lanning's guys in the program. They've gotten some really good transfer offensive linemen in there, too. A guy named uh, Junior coming over from Texas who did a lot of good things over there, replacing the interior some of the guys along the offensive line they have. I think Oregon gets the Utes as much as I hate to say it. I wouldn't be surprised if Utah got this one at all. I mean, come on. I could easily see Utah beating USC. I just think this is a really difficult schedule, and I think this is going to be a year with a Pac-12 the Pac-12 to me is not getting a team in the college football playoff next year. I think this conference is absolutely going to eat itself alive next year. I think there's going to be teams, a ton of teams in the top 15, top 20 that are really good. But I think they're, look, to make the college football playoff, you have to have a, basically just be a one-loss team. And I don't see a path for that. So unfortunately, I do have the Utes losing back-to-back games as I have them fall into the Ducks. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really unique situation. Um, we know that the college football playoff is expanding in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that really uh you know factors into a lot of this kind of stuff in terms of how people are going to view performances and everything like that just to kind of spin off of your prediction that no Pac-12 team makes it into the you know, uh, college football playoff but I think part of it too is you have to look at what Oregon's coming through it's unique that both Oregon and Utah have buys the same week and yeah. Utah's stretch is Cal and SC Oregon stretches at the on the road at Washington, which is going to be a slugfest, mm. and then Washington State and and at home and in Washington State has given Oregon problems in the past, yep. so that is a tough stretch for Oregon as well. I don't necessarily know that Oregon is the one that breaks the home record streak. I think there is a stretch of games with Oregon, Arizona State, and Washington where Utah could very easily rack up two losses. Um, that being said, I. Don't know that Oregon necessarily beat Utah last year as much as Utah beat themselves. Good and, point. and you can talk about Cam Rising being injured or, or whatever it is that you want, but there was not a lot of effectiveness out of uh, that Oregon offense. And, and granted, Bo Nix is going to be back, and, and that does help them a ton. But he was hobbled last year, too. He was, and, and there wasn't a whole lot behind him, and there still isn't a whole lot behind him. And, uh, you know, so, so you're going to have to – See if in, in Oregon, I don't want to underrate this, but they have Troy Franklin is a phenomenal wide receiver. And then you have a bunch of really nice pieces, but nobody who's really the next guy up it's true. in that situation that we've seen so far. Right. Like, like they and Oregon fans who listen to this are going to be like, oh, but we have so and so and this and that and the other. I'm not knocking those guys. But what I'm saying is, is that when you look at the elites across the conference, you know, guys that really can take over a game. Yep. For them, it's Bo Nix and Troy Franklin, and that's kind of it. You know what I mean? And and 
on top of that, the loss of Kenny Dillingham, I think that's going to play a big factor yes. because Dillingham was really impressive last year. Uh, I so I don't, point. you know, it's, it's, there's a lot up in the air for that matchup. I would not be surprised if Utah came off of a really, you know, impressive effort at USC and then lost to Oregon. I would be very surprised if Utah lost back-to-back games against SC and Oregon. That would yeah. be a real stunner for a program that's returning as much talent as Utah is. They are returning a lot of talent, as I mentioned. To me, it just speaks to how good those teams are, too, and I just think it's going to be a tough stretch for the Utes. But, hey, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Utah – I believe, Brian, you still have Utah undefeated, right? Uh, yes, technically. Um, and, and I always throw caveats. I'm terrible at this stuff because I'll always, what I'll always pick is I'll pick Utah to go to 10 to two, but then I look at the matchups and think, well, that's winnable. That's winnable. That's winnable. They're all winnable games. Exactly. It's where does the schedule get too tough for you? I think it's that next week against Arizona state where things get a little dicey. And, and if not, then I think it's on the road at Washington. That's going to be an absolute, you know, problem for Utah. And then I also think that road game against Arizona is a tough one as well. That, that, Somewhere in that stretch of SC, Oregon, Arizona State, Washington, Arizona, um, and even Colorado, there are two losses. I, I just I feel it in my bones. I yep. feel it, you know, and, and that's, you know, if I'm picking them game by a big game, it's hard to say no on a lot of this stuff because Utah still does match up yeah. extremely well. And you got to remember, some of these dudes that have been so young are now coming into year number three. Junior Tafuna is yes. a junior, right? Yeah. Simone Peppa going to be on his second year, and, and we're going to see growth from him. Same with Jonah Ellis, Lander yes. Barton. Another all year these guys. Mm-hmm. Yep, all these guys that we've talked about for so long that are still young, now they're hitting that developmental curve, and things should really, like, escalate. What do we see from the wide receivers, right? I think it's good that Solomon Enos has finally moved on and allowing yeah. some guys like Money Parks and, and Makai Cope to step in because Utah go through the transfer portal – or try to find another wide receiver through there. How do they replace a wide receivers coach? There's so many questions to be answered about that still. But all the same, like, and you and I are, are following the Polynesian Bowl right now. Spencer Fano yeah. tearing it up. Mm-hmm. So what if you move Satawa Lomea inside and have him play center, and then Moko and, and, and Keaton Bills at guards, and then you bring Spencer in to play the right tackle, or Caleb Lomu, yeah. or whoever else. Hey, Fano's snapping, too. I don't know if you saw that. Played, played guard center and tackle at the All-American game, the Army All-American game. He's snapping at the Polynesian Bowl. I'm not going to put him at center, <laughs> you know, his very first game. We're yeah. going to let him break into it slowly. So that's a good point. maybe you see him play some guard too. I, I don't know. There's so many options with this offensive line. Yep. The bottom line is you're going to have a lot of experience returning. And and while, you know, it sucks to lose Paul Miley, uh, yeah. you know, I think, I think Paul needs to move on for Paul's sake, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and go someplace where he can, you know, really – uh grow you know what i mean and 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 there's so much talent and 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 we saw it you know i think that stanford game was very evident to me where it's utah was on i think it was stanford where utah was on their third string center nobody even noticed like there wasn't even a blip on anybody's radar except for me where i'm like oh coley's in playing center that's great you know and so when you can see that kind of development at that position and know that there are other guys on the roster who've worked at the center position yeah i'm not not as worried about it you know Mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, too, this week have been going at Paul because he went to BYU. I'm very happy for him. He's a great guy. I'm yeah. excited for him to get an He's opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, I'm never going to hate on a guy for going somewhere else, especially a guy who this is- did, did the right way at Utah, got a good experience, helped the Utes accomplish a lot of things still last season, and now is an opportunity to finish up his career down at BYU. I'm just going to be happy for the person. Well, And this is another situation where because we don't talk about injuries, we really can't give the full story. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think that's one of the another reason why Utah is doing a disservice to some of their players by not talking about it. But 
Whittingham is set in his ways. He's not going to give his opponents advantage, you know, and, and so <clears throat> if players are fighting through injuries, if they're dealing with frequent injuries, if injuries have prevented them from being or meeting their full potential, we never know about it. We never get to talk about it, right? And so when you say a guy, see a guy moving on somewhere else, like where he's wanted and or where maybe they're, they've got a different plan for his development, I have a really hard time, even when it's a rival and, and people are almost getting obsessed with wanting to steal players back and forth. Yeah. I, you know, it could end up that Logan Fano transfers into Utah never does anything because he's coming off an ACL injury, you know? And, and so like, I, I, I know that fans want a fan and everything is about wins. Love these dudes. Yep. Love these players that contributed and bled and, and sacrificed so much for this program yes. so that you could be happy. Because they've earned that from you, and, and even if they're going to a different side, it's not because they don't love what they did or love the people they're yeah. involved with. It's because they got to do what's best for them. So, you know, talk smack to your friends about it, whatever. Like, but don't hate on the players. Please. Exactly. Yeah, have a con also like for just people who haven't like meet Paul, have a conversation with him, and oh tell me you can go gosh. in and say a bad thing about him. He was you one can't of my find a better guy than Paul. I, he was one of my favorite interviews of the past. Yeah, season. Just, so engaging and, and very charismatic, and like I think I saw him without his. The only time I ever saw him like. Like outside of practice, he was always wearing sunglasses, which I think is hilarious. Uh, you know, very engaging guy, just one of the best. And and, and all these guys, we have the privilege of, of getting to know them up close and personal. And and really, you can rave about every single one of them that yes. leaves, um, for the most part. But it's just you know, it, it, I really digress and, and yeah. got us off track here. But I, this, is <clears> worth, <throat> this is worth getting off track for because it's something a little that's bit. on my mind a little bit too. So either way, we're happy for Paul. And now it sets us up for an interesting end to this Utah football schedule. As you said, Brian, you don't feel as good about the last four games. I've been Mr. Negative this pod very, very. I appreciate all of you who are still listening who did click off it because JT has Utah winning, losing back-to-back -back games because this is where I think Utah turns around just as usual when the national media and everyone else looks away and says this isn't Utah's season. I think Utah goes, beats Arizona State, and that's right. They go up to Washington and they beat Michael Penix, Kalen DeBoer, and this Washington team. I think the Utes go in hungry, ready to go, motivated, coming off those losses. They get them. They go down to Tucson and beat Coach Fish and his team and what they have going down there. They'll go to win there. And Colorado has the biggest targets on their back of anyone in the conference, I think, even more so than USC to me. Yes, I know the UCA, USC and UCLA are going to the Big 10. I just think with what Colorado and what Deion Sanders is doing, and I like Deion. I think long-term, they're going to be really good. I just think it's really tough in your first year when you don't have Caleb Williams as your quarterback. And yes, I think Deion's son, whose name I'm blanking on right now, Brian. Shador uh, Sanders. Shador. Well, I got you. Yeah, I didn't want to just say his last name, but Shador. I just but, watched yeah. the Coach Prime show last night. Yeah. So like <laughs> programmed in my exactly. head. Exactly. Yeah, and I think Shador is going to be do some nice things there. I just think it's going to be a rough first year for them. So I do have Utah finishing out the Pac-12 slate four and oh and i'll go this far too i think this conference is going to be absolute pandemonium we talked about usc how about let's i know everyone's mad that usc gets to buy the final week of the season let's look at before that buy notre dame utah cal that's the easy one washington oregon ucla and that is not the time you want to play ucla when they get clicking like that that's going to be a really tough stretch of your schedule how about washington washington goes usc utah and oregon state and that usc and oregon state game those are on the road too Mm -hmm. I think some insane. And then you finish it with the Apple Cup, which is always exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think some insane stuff ensues. And I think despite those three losses I mentioned, look, Utah lost three games this most recent year and found themselves in the Pac-12 championship game. Why can't they do it again? I think some crazy stuff happens. And I think the Utes are back in the Pac-12 championship game because I really think this conference is just going to eat itself alive, as I mentioned, Brian. So, yes, I have Utah losing three in conference games, but – I think there's going to be a lot of teams that do, and I think Utah is going to be the benefactor of one of those tiebreakers once again. 
Well, the unique part about it is it's no longer about the divisions, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to win the South in order to get into the Pac-12 championship game. So feasibly, if Utah has three losses and the other teams with them have three and Utah has the right combination, it is, like you said, an easy springboard for them to get into the conference championship game. I think, you know, we keep talking about Cal as like, that's the easy one. That's the easy one. Cal's not an easy out. They just that's haven't fair. found right. success, right. you know, and, and this is a program that, I think is still trying to figure out how to win games, which is mm-hmm. kind of bizarre, but you always know that Justin Wilcox is going to have a stout defense. He's going to have a few guys that they've developed that are going to be really, uh, you know, surprising, uh, you know, or, or NFL caliber talent. And, and they recruit a lot the same way that Utah does where they recruit with a developmental eye. So that's, while it's, you know, the easier games on the schedule, the one that's, re- I think the easy one that really everybody wishes was on their schedule is Stanford. And that's the one that Utah yeah. doesn't get this year, right? right? Because it's first year with Troy Taylor as head coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I, not a Troy Taylor fan per se, but I really have a lot of respect for what he did and yes. what he's done since Agreed. leaving the university of Utah. Sometimes people just aren't cultural fits. You know what I mean? Like you and I like burgers. And if one yes, of us did. didn't like burgers, it would be tough to go out to lunch a lot of times with that's us. That's true. Right? You know, and so that's just kind of how it goes. But like, like you said, those the last three or four games of the season for a lot of these programs, you know, Oregon does not have it easy either. Nope. Utah, Cal, SC, Arizona State, and then finishing with Oregon State. You know, uh, the Beavers have Arizona, Colorado, Stanford, then Washington and Oregon. That's a really tough finishing slate for them. Like every single one of these teams has two or three losses in that last four or five game stretch. It, it, assuming things go, you know, like – Oregon has just a an absolutely brutal run of Utah, SC, Arizona State, and and Oregon State. Now, how good is Arizona State? We just don't know, right? Yeah. And first year head coaches we've seen have some bumbles and 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 some some mistakes, but that doesn't mean that Kenny Dillingham and his crew can't you know stand up and yeah, snatch a few wins. Yeah, yeah. So I just and and you know you can talk about like SC getting two buys and having a buy that very last week. They also play week zero, right? So they yep. have that very long stretch of games. And and like you mentioned, it is Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, and then finishing off with a rivalry game against UCLA. And that'll be a UCLA team that's had some time to develop finally. It will. So how it's do you a have a mess, man? Yeah, it is, it's a lot. It's like I said, it's absolutely crazy. So I had Utah going nine and three in the regular season schedule. How do you see it? I, I think 10 and two is, is, is two. the pick for me. Um, you know, I think, man. What were your losses at? So Washington and who else? I think they lose to Washington. I think um, you said that final four. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I it's it's either Washington or or it's either Arizona or Arizona State. Um, I don't see them losing against Colorado, but mm-hmm. it could it could never happen, know, man. Yep. Like like this this matchup between Coach Prime and Coach Witt is just two stylistic like differences, right? Mm-hmm. Prime is very tough. I don't know, man. I just know there's two losses in there. I just, yep. um, and, and, you know, I think you pointed out that game against Oregon state is no gimme either. And, and like I could feasibly see Utah going 93 with losses to Baylor, Oregon state and Washington, or, you know, whoever else, like, it's just, there are two or three losses in my mind. And that's yeah. still going to make them a top of the top of the conference program. Exactly. Yeah. So do you have them making the Pac-12 championship game then too? Ooh, Said mine, mine's a little crazy, but I think the tiebreakers will help them out. <laughs> Let me ask you this. In seasons that Cam, Cam Rising has finished, has Utah ever missed the Pac-12 championship game? They have not. I'm not, I'm not going to bet, 
bet against bad moon. That's a good point. And that's why I'll also just say, look, we don't know who's going to end up being there. Um, If I had to say who it will be that Utah will be facing the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I mean, I said, I really like Oregon state, but man, just the end of the, some of those games late in the season, give me some trepidation to say that, but ah, you know what? I'm feeling the beef. So I'll go Utah versus Oregon state. And I think Utah wins another Pac-12 championship game and returns to the granddaddy of them all in the Rose bowl. Who do you have Utah playing in the Pac-12 championship game? And do they get a win, Brian? I think it's either SC or Washington. I think those yep. are the two teams to, to identify, you know, I think Oregon, tremendous recruiting class and they yes. did a really great job but i think this next season is, is going to be a tough one for them you know i think mm-hmm. this is year two of dan landing and, and they've got a really stacked schedule there at the end and you know you've got to have a healthy bonix in order for them to be successful and that's a wild thing to say still despite yeah. his success last year i know <laughs> It truly is. It's going to be an unbelievable Pac-12 slate. It's going to be a lot of fun to break it all down. Brian, we always appreciate you coming on and joining us too. Make sure you guys follow Brian at Brown Bear SLC. Brian, or what are the couple of the things you have you have working on or coming up? Lots of stuff in the in the pipe. You know, the the football breakdowns podcast is live. We're churning out episodes. There should be an episode with Jake Hatch where he and I break down kind of the scope of college football uh, coming out soon. We call it FBU. Uh, as always, trying to post things and writings up there. And then, you know, I will be working a lot of lacrosse games this spring uh, for the Utah Lacs Report. If you haven't subscribed there, go ahead. Lacrosse is a big deal. I'll be covering Utah lacrosse and also high school lacrosse as well. So it, the grind never stops, as they say. <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, one, I'm going to make one final note before we get out of here, because I think a lot of people will be like two, three losses. Like, And I think a couple of times you're like, I don't know where it's going to happen, but I feel it coming. That's such a big thing. On paper, how good is this Utah team supposed to be? How good were they supposed to be last year? But things happen. Things get crazy. I remember I did an Oregon preview with someone last year, and I'm like, this just feels like a three-loss Oregon team to me. And that's what it ended up being at the, in the long run of the season. Or, it, or maybe it was two loss. Either way, I'm trying to remember now. But it's just on paper, it just didn't seem like that was how it looked. And then things happen. Things get crazy. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But just keep that in mind. Unforeseen things always pop up over the course of the season. But either way, the schedule is here. where You guys can start planning your trips and your things to look forward to. It's going to be a lot of fun. Brian, always great having you get you on. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out Locked On College Basketball, where they'll take you through the biggest games, the biggest stories, biggest interviews they get to with coaches, players, experts, and insiders. All that and more on Locked On College Basketball. That's going to do it for today's Locked On Utes. But we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend, Utah fans.